Well, howdy. Uh, just a second here. <clears throat> Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Say hi to somebody around you. Uh, did you greet somebody? Remember the greeting times that we used to have? Say hello to eight people around you. Okay. All right, enough greeting. Here we go. <clears throat> well, I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad that you're here today. Today, uh, we uh, start a new uh, great life from God's Word. In fact, we start the uh, Word itself is uh, Jesus, right? And so, um, and so that's pretty cool. We are starting Jesus. Uh, four weeks is talking about His life. And um, so <clears throat> the question that has been asked uh, throughout the years and throughout the ages um, is the question, who is Jesus, right? Who is Jesus? I mean, uh, uh, the desire to answer that's come from well-meaning people, um, you know, throughout the years trying to, like people truly trying to find out who Jesus uh, was and is. Um, and oftentimes, though, what we find is that the conclusions that people come to about Jesus might be far from a biblical perspective of who Jesus is in fact, right? This is what we find oftentimes. It matters where a person goes to find answers to this question. Amen? Uh, TikTok, not the place to go for that answer. All right? I, I put TikTok down all the time. I don't, I'm sorry if, if you really like TikTok. I'm sorry. I just think it's the devil's lair. But no, no, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. So, so um, read scriptures from the Bible, it says in here. Okay. Do you have your Bible with you today? Everybody, uh, there are actually, there's a Bible. If you don't, there's one on the row. I think there's one or two per row, so you grab one of those. They're in the NLT, uh, the New Living Translation there. Uh, or you can pull up your phone or your iPad or whatever and pull up your favorite translation. Uh, but there are some that I would rather you didn't read from, and so if you want to know what those are, you can come talk to me later. And uh, I, I like translations of the Bible, but some I think are maybe worth not reading. So, we're going to read in uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 20, <clears throat> and, uh, and here's, here's what it says, okay? Uh, Luke 5, actually, I'm going to read uh, 17 through uh, 20. How about that? All right. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village uh, in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly within Jesus, or with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. <laughs> And then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees, I'll read, go ahead and read 21 too. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. So here they are religious leaders, immediately after Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, he says, who does this guy think he is anyway, right? 
Who can forgive sins but God himself? So we see somebody here saying, who is this guy, right? Who does he think he is, right? We move a little bit further forward in Luke's gospel, and we go to Luke chapter 7, and we're actually going to be at starting at verse 36 here, uh, <clears throat> Luke chapter 7. And uh, we see, I'll start reading here, uh, 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping, and her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. So we see that uh, here he is reclining at the table with this Pharisee and the, his, the Pharisee's friends and the certain immoral woman came in, weeps on his feet, uh, wipes it with her hair, pours this perfume on. The Pharisee was horrified at this, right? Horrified at this. And, says, uh, and, and he says, your sins are forgiven to these people. And they're like, who is this man, right? Who is this one who thinks that he can say things like this, right? So Pharisees weren't, uh, <clears throat> they weren't real happy about this, right? And then we move a little bit forward in Luke's gospel here to Luke chapter 9. And we see another account of the ministry of Jesus take place here and the disciples and Herod Antipas was Rome's puppet ruler kind of over this area of uh, Galilee, Judea area. And so we're going to read from Luke chapter 9, verses uh, 6 through 9 we'll go, okay? Uh, so Jesus, actually this is the time where he's sending out his 12 disciples to minister. And he says, don't take anything with you, that type of thing. And so... Uh, so verse 6 in the NLT says here, So they began their circuit uh, of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Now when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about everything Jesus was doing, he was puzzled. Uh, perplexed, some of your translations might read. Uh, some were saying uh, that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead, Others thought Jesus was Elijah or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. And so he says, I beheaded John, Herod said. So who is this man about whom I hear so many or such stories? And he kept trying to see him. So many people thought he was Elijah, you know, raised from the dead. Many people thought he was prophets of old that had risen uh, but it's interesting here, this word puzzled or perplexed is what we see in this text here. And, uh, and it's, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting word. It's a Greek verb, diapareo, uh, diaporeo, something like that. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say it like that. Can you roll your R with me? Anybody do that? There you go, diaporeo, okay? 
And so it means entirely at loss. So what we do know, even if we don't know exactly how to pronounce that word, what we do know is that Herod was completely at loss about who Jesus was. He was entirely at loss, but he did ask the question, who is this, right? We see all through Scripture in the, uh, in the Gospels, people asking this question, who is Jesus? Who is this man, right? How does he do these things? Who does he think he is doing these things, right? Now, I wish that I could say that things have changed, right? And, uh, and there's a deep understanding of Jesus and who he is in our culture and our society today, but that wouldn't be true, in fact. So people today argue uh, that Jesus could be anybody we make him out to be, right? If he agrees with what I think or my way of reasoning or thinking, then that's the Jesus I choose because he works well with me, right? That's what we see all over the place uh, today. So people making Jesus out to be uh, kind of a, a Jesus who agrees with them on everything. You ever think about that? Does Jesus agree with you about everything? If he does, maybe you should rethink it a little bit and, and go back to the scripture and see, because he's always, like, it's always going to be affecting us when we read the Bible. We see, read the scriptures, right? And we see who Jesus really was, and, and because our flesh wants to do other things uh, that are different. Uh, and, and so our, our spirit is saying, nope, this is what's true. This is what's right. This is the way. This is the plumb line, right? And so, uh, and so oftentimes when we read scriptures, it hurts a little bit because it brings us back to. Uh, what we should be doing rather than maybe what we've been kind of on this sidetrack. So anyway, you know, some people today say that Jesus was a social activist. Some people say he's just a really nice guy. Some people say he's a good teacher, right? Some people say he was a prophet, right? A good prophet with good teachings. Um, and some people uh, think that he's the brother of Lucifer. And some people just say he's my homeboy, right? And so uh, there's a lot of people who think a lot of different things about Jesus and who he was and, and what he did and all these things. And so uh, people make them to be out, uh, him to be out, somebody whose scriptures never explain him to be and who he, frankly, never claims to be. And so they have a wrong uh, interpretation of who Jesus is. Prince Philip said about Jesus, Jesus might be described as an underprivileged working-class victim of a political and religious persecution. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, we, some of us remember Mikhail Gorbachev, said of Jesus, Jesus was the first socialist, the first to seek a better life for mankind. Is that all Jesus wanted, was a better life for mankind? Um, and even if he did, that wouldn't be the way to go. But Thomas Jefferson said of Jesus, Jesus did not mean to impose himself on mankind as the Son of God. Hmm, interesting. The Jewish political commentator Ben Shapiro was asked about who Jesus was. I'm just across the spectrum, going to make everybody mad today, okay? <laughs> Jewish political commentator Ben Shapiro was asked about who Jesus was, and his reply was that Jesus was a Jewish teacher who led a revolt against Rome and was crucified for it. No less, no more. That's what he is. Well, so if you listen to Ben Shapiro, understand, you can listen to some things. But, you know, if, if it doesn't start from a 
from a biblical worldview. Let's understand as Christians right, like what that means to be uh, aligned with a Christian worldview, whether you lean one way or the other politically, okay? Amen? Are you with me on this? All right. So here's the deal. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to explain everything there is to know about Him, okay? And so that's supposed to be funny because <laughs> you're like, okay, well, no, not really. Uh, uh, John 21, 25 reads, Jesus also did many other things. This is the final verse in John, in the Gospel of John. It says, if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. We're not going to even scratch the surface in four weeks about the life of Jesus or what we could know or study about Jesus. And so there's no way we could do it. So listen, you're going to have some homework, okay? Your homework is to go and to read the Gospels, right? And to stay in them as we go through these next four weeks uh, talking about pieces of Jesus's life. And frankly, uh, you know, this week we're going to be talking about kind of a little bit about Jesus the child, uh, but also, you know, again, who Jesus is. What does he say about himself even? Later on, we'll see a few things he says about himself. But we're going to talk about, uh, you know, I guess the, the title of it is Jesus the child. We are going to talk about that a little bit, all right? But frankly, the Bible doesn't talk uh, a whole lot about the childhood of Jesus. Does anybody here understand that? There's not a whole lot about his childhood, okay? So, we will talk a little bit about that and then also what Jesus, uh, who Jesus says he is. Just a few things. Not everything, but a few things. Jesus came as flesh and blood. That is to say he was fully human, okay? But he's not just fully human, is he? Right? He's also fully divine. And so in uh, this, he was different than any other human being that has ever lived, right? In theology, Jesus being both fully God and fully man at the same time was called a hypostatic union, right? Hypostatic meaning his existence on earth. It was fully God, fully man, okay? To make him one or the other is to miss who he came as, right? Jesus has kind of these two natures, if you will, human and divine, and they're inseparable, right? You can't separate them. Otherwise, you get uh, heresies that have, been, that have come down through the ages, right? Gnosticism or these other things that have come down through the ages. So you can't separate them. Uh, Jesus at times operated in the limitations of his, uh, of his humanity, right? Uh, and while at other times he seemed to uh, show these uh, that he was operating in a power of his deity or his divine nature. And, uh, and so both actions are done by this one person, this one man, both human and divine. And it's good to know this, and you should know this, uh, uh, and you can spend more time studying that stuff and reading about more of that on your own. Uh, I wish we could go into more, but we just can't. Jesus was born where? Where was he born? In Bethlehem, in his human form, right? So he's always existed. But, but here we go. He was born in Bethlehem, and usually we're talking about this at Christmas time. This is not a Christmas message, right? He, he, he's uh, born in Bethlehem, um, and this was to fulfill one of the many prophecies about Jesus and about the Messiah, right, uh, from the Old 
Testament. And this is why we don't throw away any of the Bible. This is why we don't uh, mark out the Old Testament as meaningless and we don't need it. All right, So we don't do that here. We believe the Old Testament is important, and so we can read it, and it points to Jesus, right? It predicts him and points to him, and so we don't say, ah, we don't need that anymore. So Jesus is uh, in the Old Testament. It points to him uh, throughout. Uh, Augustine, the theologian and early church father from the 4th and 5th century, AD 354 to AD 430, he said this, the Old Testament is in the new revealed and the New Testament is in the Old Concealed, right? So we see Jesus in all of Scriptures. Don't detach yourself from any of it, okay? It's hard to know exactly how many prophecies are fulfilled by Jesus uh, from the Old Testament, but many scholars believe it to be around the number of 350, right? That point to this coming Messiah that Jesus fulfilled. 350. That's a pretty big number uh, when you're looking ahead to something that hasn't happened yet, and he fulfills all of those. That's a big deal, right? That's meaningful. Jesus was raised uh, not in Bethlehem, but where was he raised? In that, right, the Gal- a region in Galilee, Nazareth to be exact, which honestly was another fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture, which if you read Matthew 22, uh, 23, Matthew alludes to these scriptures from the Old Testament that point to this. So Nazareth uh, was known, how do I put this, not as, a, it's kind of backwoodsy, okay? I don't know, I don't know a nice way to, to say it. Uh, Pastor Dave might call it Amity. I don't know, uh, but I don't know. If you're from Amity, I'm sorry. Yeah, but <laughs> Oh, man. So, so anyway, um, so, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, but here's the deal. Nazareth was not known as, it was not an intellectual place, right? People, people who were highly intellectual really were not from that area. As, and that's not me saying that. That's like, from this day, that's the reality of it, okay? So, that's why, you know, Nathaniel, when he was told by Philip, remember that they'd found the one who Moses wrote of in the Law and Prophets, right? Uh, it, it, what, what did he say about Nazareth? Uh, yeah, can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? Like, that's not the place that, uh, that the, we, I think this is going to be from. But anyway, it was indeed, and that's in John 1.45, you can read about that, about Nathaniel saying that. Uh, Nazareth was roughly 55 miles north of Jerusalem, and uh, in Jesus' day, those from Nazareth were treated with low esteem, right? And so Jesus, while having no beginning and no end, who has always existed, right, uh, certainly did have a beginning as human and was from a very common, uh, very common towns, right? Bethlehem. Uh, and it was a small place, Nazareth, small place, very common towns. But specifically, more than just that, it's to fulfill the prophecies from the Old Testament. Now, Jesus was from a common family as well. Did you know that? He wasn't from the upper echelon of, of you know, the elite and, and, and all that. He was from a common family. In fact, his family was a poor family, right? They were a poor family, and, and you, you might say, well, how do you know that? And we know this because of the little facts that we see about Jesus' childhood, right? 
We see that, that when the family makes the trip to Jerusalem, to the temple, and they were presenting Jesus uh, to, uh, to the Lord as according to the Levitical law, what we see, and that's in Luke chapter 2 is where we're at, uh, they're required to make a sacrifice, right? And their sacrifice was not a lamb, uh, but their sacrifice was a pair of turtle doves or pigeons, right, as according to the Levitical law, right? So if you didn't have a lot of money, what do you give? Well, you gave two birds, right? turtle doves or pigeons, right, instead of something that's more expensive, more costly. And so uh, they were what poorer people uh, or more moderate income people, you might say, offered rather than a lamb. Jesus' family, like all Jewish families who were able to travel, made the trip to Jerusalem every year at Passover time. In fact, uh, proving they are a common family uh, later in Luke chapter 2, what we find is that they leave Jesus behind on accident and travel a day's journey before noticing that he wasn't with them. So, any parents in here ever leave their kids somewhere? On purpose? No, I'm just kidding. You didn't leave them there on purpose. But I remember one time we, we were living in Texas and, and I was leaving the Christian Youth Center that we worked at and I was driving uh, from Belton, Texas to Colleen, Texas, which is more where we live, Harker Heights area. And I remember driving that direction, and I was like halfway. It's, it's about a 15 or 20-minute drive, and I was about halfway down there, driving down 190, and, uh, and I get this text from Kim. It says, did you remember Allie? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I had to pull over and turn around and go back and pick her up and bring her with me. But, you know, uh, so every now and then that text pops up in our family chat. Remember this? You know, it's like, oh big fail, you know, big loser dad. But anyway, uh, you know, I don't feel too bad then when I read this and I see that Jesus was left behind, right? He was left behind and they were like, they traveled a whole day without, like I traveled like eight miles, you know, they traveled a whole day. But anyway, uh, so uh, they came back, you know, and, and, and they got him and picked him up, right? So uh, Jesus was from common places with a common family, right? If you want to know who the biblical Jesus was, well, he is a common uh, boy from a common family from really common towns, right? <laughs> Sounds pretty boring, huh? But that's the reality of it. And so as he grew, uh, Luke 2.40 tells us that he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him, right? Luke 2.40. Uh, so much so that after he was left in Jerusalem, if you read through in Luke chapter 2, they came back, right? The, the, par the, uh, the parents came back to get Jesus. And where did they find him? In the temple, right? They find him in the temple, right? In the midst of the teachers. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they're both listening to him and asking questions uh, to him. And what the Bible says in Luke 2, 46 through 47 is that these teachers were astounded, right? They were amazed that uh, what he was saying and asking questions, his understanding and his answers to them astounded them. They amazed him. And so Jesus from an early age was, though he was from common towns, from a common family, he was very intellectual, right? 
And so he knew he had a great understanding of that. And you might ask, well, was that his human nature? Was that his divine nature? Look, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's okay. Though in those days, they studied, they learned, they, I mean, they memorized things like we, never, like we don't know today, right? Like we don't do those things today. But in these times, uh, that's the way that young uh, boys learned, right? And so they knew quite a bit. But anyway, he had a, uh, a deep understanding in his answers to them. Jesus uh, probably uh, wore a hard hat and carried a lunch pail to work uh, every day, right? Like maybe some of you who are blue-collar workers, right? Anybody in here a blue-collar worker? I worked in a warehouse for a lot of years and went to work and put coveralls on and steel-toed boots and all that. So anyway, I like, uh, I, I like common Jesus because he, he worked a common job as, as, a, uh, as a carpenter, right? Scriptures teach us that, that he was a carpenter, right? I'm sure he learned this as a trade from his father. Mark chapter 6, we see that Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth at one point, and the people were astonished at his wisdom and works. And they said in verse uh, 3, in Mark 6, verse 3, is, not, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? You ever read that verse before? Right? So Jesus was a blue-collar worker in, in carpentry. He worked a common job, right? It wasn't like he was uh, upper echelon again in, in his work. He worked a common job uh, as a carpenter. And so um, it's reasonable to conclude that Jesus worked carpentry because Joseph prior, uh, learned it from Joseph prior to coming here to minister in this portion of Scripture. Uh, he was not what we see in contemporary Western artwork depictions. Does anybody here know that? He's not like the pictures that we see that we have here, uh, uh, you know, in America that we have hanging on the walls in some of the churches in the more liturgical places or whatever, you know, the older churches have the picture of Jesus there when he, you know, he's white Jesus with, you know, long hair and, and a beard and stuff. That wasn't Jesus, okay? That's the westernized depiction of him, but he wasn't that. So we have to know that, right? We have to know that. We have to talk about these things, right? So, um, you know, Jesus was a hard worker. As a carpenter, he was a hard worker. So what do you think that that would do to a guy who's a hard worker in these days, right? Did he have soft, you know, wonderful hands, you know, with dove, you know, soap or lotion or whatever? I mean, right? That, like, I, don't, or I don't know much about hand lotion, so, I, you know. But, you know, would he have had these great hands and this, you know, perfect com complexion and stuff, right? He would have had rugged hands. Man, he's a hard worker, okay? And so he would have been a hard worker, not soft and smooth and all these things, you know. His appearance would not like, be like the depictions that we have. It, you know, he wasn't British. And so, uh, you know, so the Jesus movies that depict him as a British Jesus, that wasn't him. Uh, I'm just saying, sorry if you thought he was. But um, in fact, uh, Isaiah wrote about the coming Messiah uh, in Isaiah 53, 2. And here's what he had to say about the Messiah, that the Messiah, uh, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Now, that's interesting to me. He, he wasn't a perfect-looking, westernized Jesus, okay? 
Uh, he was from the Middle East, and so he would have been a darker complexion, and he probably would have been a very, very average, ordinary-looking man. Um, so that's the reality of, of what he probably was, right? Uh, it looks wise anyway, right? It doesn't say here that Jesus was ugly or anything like that, so don't go around saying Jesus was an ugly guy or anything, but uh, he was just a normal-looking guy for his time and his place and where he entered into history, right? That's what he was. So we should think of him as such. So we need to get out of our minds this idea of what Jesus looked like, you know, from pictures and all these things, right? That wasn't him. So... With Jesus, we also have to be careful not to make him so stale that we forget he was human, right? So, you know, sometimes we see that picture of Jesus on the wall and we think he was just, you know, we see depictions of him, you know, as British Jesus and he's walking slowly and he's, you know, all this stuff. Like, that's not him. He was human, which, guess what? That would have meant that he laughed, right? You ever see Jesus laughing in movies and stuff? Uh, before The Chosen, uh, I don't know that I ever saw Jesus that laughed, right? Anybody else in here? And so, you know, uh, he laughed. Uh, maybe uh, he obeyed his parents, right? So, so any kids in here obey your parents, right? Uh, you know, uh, he learned uh, as we all learn as well. You know, he would have cried, right? The Bible says Jesus wept. Shortest verse of the Bible, he cried, he celebrated holy days and in the culture that he lived in, right? Uh, he had friends, right? He had friends that he hung out with and, and uh, the, uh, the disciples, and even beyond that, he had friends, right? He probably had bad hair days from time to time, you know? Uh, you know, the, the bad things that happened to us from time to time, those types of similar things probably happened to him as well. So there were, you know, we have to be careful not to make Jesus uh, not human and make him so stale that he's, you know, nobody can, nobody can understand him, right? Uh, so when we hear things like the Christmas hymn, anybody, the, Away in the Manger, you know, Away in a Manger, right? We know that song. <clears throat> it states here in one of the verses, the cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus... No crying he makes. What? I'd never seen a baby that didn't cry. Right? Maybe he was divine, but he cried, okay? Babies cry and do other things, right? I don't need to talk about them today, but that's what happens. And so, listen, this is not taking into account uh, the Jesus that was certainly fully human, right? So, so that song, you know, when you sing it, go ahead and read that, sing that line, but understand, he, he cried, all right? But we also have to be careful not to make Jesus so plain and pull him, you know, down to what I think he should be, that we forget that he was and is deity, that he is divine, right? God is uh, in human flesh, not merely human. So, any movement that focuses on Jesus' humanity only and wants to highlight just his humanity uh, and, and not recognize him also as fully God, fully divine, and greater than us misses the mark. So be careful. Jesus' life shows us that he was not a robot. He was not robot Jesus, okay? 
He was relatable in many ways, right? He was relatable. In fact, Scripture says that he lived things out. He understands what we walk through, the temptations that we deal with and the trials that we deal with. And yet he's not just like us, though, because he lived a sinless life. So he was relatable, in some ways to us, in many ways, but he is also unrelatable in some ways and many ways to us because he was fully divine and we are not, okay? So, what did Jesus say about himself? We don't have time to go through everything he said about himself, but we are going to talk about five quick things. I'm going to mention five quick things here about what Jesus actually said uh, about himself, all right? Number one, Jesus said he came from heaven, all right? John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus said he came from heaven. So any Jesus that you make up that did not come from heaven is the wrong Jesus, okay? He, that's what he said about himself, right? He originated, he, he originated uh, as as has always existed and, and came from heaven, is what he speaks about himself. Number two, Jesus said he was more than a good man. Mark 10, 17, and 18, there was a man who approached Jesus and called him a good teacher, right? To which he replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, right? Uh, this man just thought he was a good teacher, a good man. And Jesus is like, no, that's not that's not all I am. And so Jesus said he was more than a good man. Uh, number three, Jesus said he's the son of man, right? In fact, he, that's what he called himself most of the time. In the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as the son of man over 80 times and only once by someone other than himself. Anybody know who else, who was the one person? Stephen. Stephen, when he was being martyred, Right in in that as he was talking to them and speaking about G, about God and ultimately about Jesus, uh, he was he called him the Son of Man. So there, you know, over eighty times, I think it's eighty eight times is what it is, but but only one of those outside of it. So Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man many times, and and what this ultimately is is it's the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy from Daniel chapter seven, and you can go and read about that later today. We can't go into it, but where Daniel sees this vision of the one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he was looking ahead about the Messiah who would come, uh, who now we know is Jesus as the fulfillment of that, right? So Jesus called himself Son of Man many, many times, ultimately uh, referring to this so that the people of the day, the Jewish leaders, the, the religious leaders of the day should understand that, right? Should see that and pick up on that. And so anyway, uh, Jesus said he's the Son of Man. Number four, Jesus said he was God. So Thomas Jefferson is totally wrong, all right, when he said that Jesus did not uh, mean to say that because Jesus literally said, I and the Father are one, right? I and the Father are one, John 10, 30. And so, and, and there's more than that, but, but this one specifically uh, speaks into that, right? And he says, if you've seen the Father, you know, you see, you know me, right? If you've seen, or you've seen me, you've seen the Father, uh, so Jesus said he was God, and he alluded to that many, many times. Uh, and then number five, the last one, Jesus said he's the only way to heaven. Jesus said he's the only way to heaven. 
John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Again, these I am statements would point people to God, right? As God revealed himself to Moses as I am, right? He says, tell the people I am. We talked about that several weeks back when we were talking about Moses. So these I am uh, statements that Jesus makes uh, would also point to the fact that he is God. So John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says he's the only way to heaven. So any view of Jesus that removes this stuff, well, this is what Jesus spoke about himself. So many people uh, have thoughts uh, through the years of who Jesus was and is, uh, you know, and all that, so many questions and so many thoughts and ideas. But I like how C.S. Lewis breaks down how to approach Jesus in our search for answers, right? There's a quote that he, uh, that C.S. Lewis gives, and, and it really breaks things down and, and gets to the heart of the matter, right? And so here's what it says. He says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher, right? He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, I don't know why he used that as, you know, but anyway. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So Jesus, while a child who grew and gained wisdom and stature, did not uh, imply that he was a merely a moral teacher ever, right? In fact, he states that he is the one and the only way to the Father, his Father, right? As he stated at 12 years old in the temple, and that he has fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament scriptures. And so, Jesus didn't leave, uh, he didn't leave it open for us to think, yeah, he's a, a good moral teacher, uh, his teachings are great, and we should, uh, we should you know, think about those things philosophically and all that. Uh, n- no, he actually didn't just say he was a good moral teacher. And if he said that, and he also said he was God, but we don't take that into account, we just say, well, we just like his teachings. Well, anybody who claims to be God and was not, why would we believe any of his teachings? Why would we go read any of his stuff and think he was a good moral teacher, right? It doesn't make any sense. And so that's what C.S. Lewis is breaking down, right? He didn't leave that open to us, and we should not think that. So the question here kind of that we walk away from this is, you know, that I would leave with you is who do you say that Jesus is, right? Who do you say that he is? As according to the things that we've talked about today, who do you say he is? Because he claimed to be God, whether we like it or not, he claimed to be God. And so in that, as C.S. Lewis talks about, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord, right? Those are the three options we come away with. 
So who do you say that he is today? Who do I say that he is today? Something to ponder and go directly to the source of the Word of God, which is trustworthy and true, to find the answers to that. Will you pray with me, Father? Thank you for today. Thank you that you have uh, a plan, God, uh, for this day and, and for the message spoken here today, Lord, that I've tried my best to lean on you and what you would have me to say today, Lord. And, uh, and so the words that, that you spoke today, God, uh, that you gave to me to give, Lord, would you use those in the lives of each and every person here and in my own life as we continue to walk forward and look to Jesus and answer these questions. Lord, we are truly grateful for the ability to be here today and to study your word and it's always good, Lord. We know that as we open your word and we read and we study, God, you're going to speak to our minds and our hearts. And you're going to reveal uh, the truths of the scripture to us by the power of your Holy Spirit that lives in us as your followers and, and is among us here today. Lord, we are grateful for that. And so, Lord, continue to do the work in us and speak to us. Lord, show us more truths in your word. We want to dive into your word uh, often, and we're so grateful for the hunger that it brings as we know more about you and more about who you are, God. It, it, it leads us to want to be, uh, to spend more time with you and want to grow uh, in our knowledge of you because ultimately then it affects our hearts and our minds and we are drawn more and more and more to you, Lord. So we are so grateful for the truths that you have revealed to us through your word, God. Speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit today, God. Do the work in us through your Holy Spirit that only you can do, Lord, as we walk these things out. And so we are uh, grateful today once again, Lord. So we pray these things together uh, as a family today. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Clint. I want to thank you for joining us today for this podcast, and I hope it was beneficial for you. Our vision at Family Life Church is simple, to create a safe and authentic environment for people to encounter Jesus. If you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please don't hesitate to send us an email at admin at myflc.org or connect with us via social media on Facebook or Instagram at Family Life Church Newburn. We'd enjoy hearing from you. Again, thank you for listening today and God bless you as you pursue Him.